Battle of the Sexes. Find out what I mean on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, suffering from a little bit of a cold, but not too bad, but there might be a little bit of some coughing in between. So I apologize for that in advance. Thank you for tuning in again uh, this week. I'm connecting with you in regarding a series um, that will take place, I believe, for the better part of this year, uh, basically titled, We're Killing Our Kids. <laughs> I know that sounds like a really dark, foreboding title. However, there needs to be an attention-grabbing <clears throat> sentence where we can all connect to the importance and the gravity of what we are facing today as parents, as, as those who are being injected into this culture for his good. And uh, I'm going to be tackling an issue today, which I believe might be one of the biggest hills to climb in regards to our culture. Um, before I get started, I do want to say that I, I would offer some parental discretion uh, on this topic, since I will be talking about um, sex and uh, the culture regarding that. So just use discretion, parents, in this podcast. However, I've say, said this before, uh, I do believe teenagers ought to listen to this. They, we need to be very comfortable having this conversation with them and the importance uh, thereof. So I do uh, encourage you to um, not be shy about having your teenage kids listen to this. Um, this is entitled <clears throat> uh, Battle of the Sexes. Now, that usually implies more of a gender conversation, and that's not what this is about this is actually about worldview in regards to sex. There's there's a battle of a worldview that's taking place uh, currently, and not just currently, but it's been going on uh, for decades, maybe all through human history, but certainly it feels like it's coming more to a head lately uh, because of the cultural norms connected to it. So I've been talking about boundaries and and talking about saving our children and, and having them live within safe boundaries for their health and for their well-being. And I often give the example of two water bottles, one with pure water, one with brown, dark, infected water. And we see these two as a dichotomy, and, and, we, and we ought to. And we as parents are trying to nourish and feed and, and, and hydrate our children with the good stuff. The ones that are going to feed their body and bring health and wholeness to them versus this other water, which is going to make them sick. It's still water, but it's not in its purest form. And that's why the father gives us boundaries. 
He does this not because he wants to control us or to restrict us or to not seek any type of pleasure in this world, but he does it because it's the healthiest way of living. And he doesn't want his children to get sick and nor do we. And so when we put parents on that front line of we are killing our kids and I need to have a conversation with parents, we need to understand that we are the ones that set boundaries for our children. If we don't do it, who will? And so this world today says there are no boundaries. <clears throat> and the result of that is our children are becoming sick, even to the point of death. And that's the point of this series of podcasts is I, I want to sound the alarm that we are in an epidemic right now and our children are not doing well. And there are things that we can do as parents that absolutely puts them back into this place of health and wholeness. So when we see the, the rates of depression and anxiety skyrocketing, I see it every day in my practice. Um, we see it in life. We see it in ministry, especially with young people. The, the notion of depression, anxiety, uh, mental illness, um, even suicidality or suicidal thoughts, it's running rampant. And we have to ask ourselves, why? Why are things increasing? Why does it seem to be getting worse when the world is telling us that living outside of boundaries is the way to go? Just follow your feelings. It's simply because it doesn't work. And we can turn to the Lord's ways and the boundaries he sets for us. And we need to be firm in what those are so that we're not feeding our children brown diseased water. It just makes sense. If we as parents say, well, what's the harm? It's just water. <laughs> then we're missing the big picture of, of their safety and their protection, which is our role in life. See, when we look at the, the current statistics, it's alarming. And by the time we get to the 2010s, only 5% of new brides were virgins. 5%, my friends. That means 95% weren't. And this isn't subject just to the church or outside of the church. This is all people. All people. This is a problem. This is, this is a big thing to tackle, Dr. Johnny. <laughs> if 95% say, ah, it's no big deal, I'm going to do it anyway. Well, then we can't be alarmed when we follow the bouncing ball and see the dysfunction that we have in this world. Now we may say, <clears throat> as parents, we may say, well, we drank the brown water and we turned out okay. <laughs> so why can't they? We drank too. Or we as parents, we feel powerless. And so we say, just drink whatever you want, whatever feels good. Or culture and society tells them that it's normal to drink brown water. That's what Hollywood is telling us. This is normal. This won't make you sick. And they lie to our children. This is what we're up against because nobody wants to be told they can't drink the brown water. And I'm not here on this podcast to tell you that you can't drink the brown water. That's not the point. The point is it's going to make you sick. And as a physician, as a minister, as a dad, I think it's super important that we understand what we're doing here. <clears throat> and sexual immorality in our culture is running rampant, not only 
in in interpersonal relationships, but even in society in the way that it's projected. And it's super dangerous. And we have to declare it as such. So what's the big deal? Why why is this so important? Does the Bible even say that it's wrong? Let me just start there because I think it's super important that we understand that scripture is fairly clear. And so I don't want to harp on that. And if you're a Christian listening to this, I think you know what we're talking about here. But, you know, we talked about the Ten Commandments just in a previous podcast as, as the very baseline place to start about boundaries around our children. Well, one of those is adultery. But the Bible makes it clear, too, in regards to adultery. And then Jesus comes along and says, if you just simply lust. It doesn't say if married men lust. It just says if men lust, <clears throat> then you've already committed adultery in your heart. But, of course, the Bible talks very specifically about fornication. Fornication is sexual intercourse between people not married to each other. So let's just be super clear. Let's not overcomplicate this. The Bible lumps fornications in with evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, thefts, false witness, blasphemies in Matthew 15, 19. It's lumped into that group. So are we seriously going to sit here as parents and say, well, evil thoughts, murders, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies are nothing to worry about? No big deal. Everybody does it. This is the category that it's in. 1 Corinthians 5.1, it's actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you. Galatians 5.19, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. list goes on and on and on. It's, it's listed in the list of the things that actually separate us from a heart of a father. Why? Because he puts those boundaries around us because he knows that it's best for us. He's not just looking for us to behave a certain way, soldiers to fall in line. That's not his heart. He wants us to be pure. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to be healthy so that we can position ourselves toward the world. Ephesians 5.3, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice for God for a sweet-smelling sweet aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. Neither filthiness, foolish talking, coarse gesturing, which are not fitting. Do you see what he's saying? There is a there is a place of safety and security found within a boundary given to us, and fornication does not allow does not line up with that. Now, of course, the world tells us just to follow what's good and to not worry about it, and it's going to be fine, and 95% of the people do it. <laughs> And this is the position. It's interesting. I always like to sometimes turn to secular articles because I feel like if the secular world is seeing something that lines up with scripture and the ways that we should behave, then, then kind of, duh, <laughs> it makes perfect sense. So I always tend to look at those. There's a secular article writing about the dangers of premarital intimacy. <laughs> this is their list. One tends to to lose interest in your partner. When you when you connect early, it's very rare that you end up marrying this person. And 
when you have sexual encounters too soon and it's based on sex, there's no depth to the relationship and often ends up in breakup and heartache. Premarital sex affects most relationships in a negative way. This is a secular article. Should we be surprised that the data shows that it causes dysfunction and pain and physical and emotional dysfunction? Trauma in the case of unwanted pregnancy, that goes without saying. High risk of sexually transmitted diseases goes without saying. Having sex changes your body, interestingly. Your body undergoes physical and psychological changes. You step into your marriage with an emotional baggage. Should we be surprised? And yet only 5% of brides are virgins. Even the secular article says it's an engagement of the mind and then subconscious. <clears throat> and because you've had all of these premarital relationships, <clears throat> it becomes difficult to shake off the emotional baggage of past relationships. Well, duh. <clears throat> premarital relationships may lead to infidelity i hate to keep saying duh but these are the things that the lord is trying to prevent us from if you're willing to have sex with somebody who is not your spouse what makes you think that when they are their spouse that they're going to be unwilling to have other sexual relationships they've already shown moralistically speaking that they're willing to do whatever Premarital sex can change your outlook on love because of the romance and the physical and emotional investments. And then your heart gets broken. And it's hard to, again, establish a meaningful relationship. And they say it may risk your spiritual damage. It may risk spiritual damage. Now, the father isn't afraid of our stuff, and he's a forgiving father, and he's loving, and and it doesn't separate us from him and our actions don't damage the way that he feels about us. However, he's a good papa who puts loving boundaries around us. And so when our religious, quote unquote, <laughs> attitudes towards sex are broken, it does cause pain in a father's heart who wants the best for us. And wants us to live in the confines of what he has for us. And oh, by the way, <clears throat> there is an absolute direct connection between premarital sex and divorce. Should we be shocked by that? Interestingly, 11% of virgin marriages in the 1980s dissolved within five years. 11%. The number actually fell to 8% in the 90s and fell again to 6% in the 2000s. The people that are fighting for this are fighting hard and valuing their marital relationship. The percentage of virgin marriages that end in divorce are actually decreasing. That's the good news because there's something fighting for. It's something worth fighting for. And maybe in a culture where everything's pushing against you, you fight a little bit harder. Maybe that's true. So parents, we need to be vigilant about our children, and I hate to say it, even down to age 12, I mean, the statistics are, are mind-boggling <clears throat> about the percentage of increase of premarital activity. 
at a very young age because the because the world is telling us that you're free to do whatever you want. And if parents don't intervene, if parents aren't the one that sets those loving boundaries, who is going to do it? Who is going to do it? There's a bigger thing at play, and it's something called a covenant. <laughs> and covenant is not something to take lightly. And sexual activity is an act of covenant. It's a physical demonstration of a, of a flesh-bound covenant that takes place when we say, I do to each other. When we operate in covenant activities without covenant, there are serious ramifications to that. It makes you sick. It's been the case ever since the Garden of Eden. When we live outside of his boundaries, we actually become ill. And my friends, you can seek pleasure. You can seek temporary um, enjoyment through physical intimacy, if you want to call it that. But it's going to make you sick. It doesn't give you what you're looking for. It says, did you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it said the two shall become one. He's talking about the covenant that takes place. When you have sex with somebody who is not your spouse, guess what? There is something that becomes sick within you. That was 1 Corinthians 6, 16. Inside of a boundary, we have everything that we need and we're complete and we're satisfied outside of a boundary we are wanting and looking and there's a desperation and the result is depression and anxiety which is exactly what we're seeing it's an easy case to make this 50 years of quote-unquote sexual revolution is not working it's not working We had a privy to a conversation with a girl who was suffering from depression, anxiety, worthlessness. And at the same time, she's talking about her premarital relationships that she's having. And it's one of those knock-knock, put-in-heads, can you not connect the dots? Can you not see that the choices you're making, the lifestyle that you're living outside of a boundary of a loving father is actually resulting in these symptoms? That's why he put them around us. You know, sex is not a dirty, horrible, awful thing. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And it can be part, you can partake in it in the loving covenant of a marriage. And it's beautiful. There's no shame connected to it. It's fun and it's exciting. And it's all the things that he created it to be because he wants us to be intimate. That's why he gave us a sex drive. He wants us to reproduce his culture by having children. He wants us to enjoy intimacy with one another. And so he's given us something called marriage. And he has set it into place so that it would be a beautiful, productive piece of our society so that we can raise children in a healthy environment and they can then reproduce his culture over the face of the earth. Let's not lose the big picture here. Let's not lose the forest through the trees. We can behave any way we want to and he's given us free will and you can just throw up your hands as parents and say, drink any water that you want. But I believe that the destruction and the result of that way of living and that hard attitude is killing our kids. 
This is what I believe. And this is a tall hurdle to get over when 95% of the people entering into marriage are not virgins. That comes with baggage and pain and hurt. And, and we see it in marriage ministry in which we are engaged. We see it all the time that there's this, this baggage, there's this blockade that takes place. Now it's forgivable and the Father's blood removes it or Jesus' blood removes it and he forgives us and we move on. That all is true. But when we throw up our hands and say, I don't respect those boundaries, I don't need those boundaries, then it's absolutely the attitude of the Garden of Eden where we turned from his perfect plan. It's critical that we as parents rise up to what we were created to be and accomplish all of the things that is involved in the word parent. That's what our children need. That's why they're called dependents, is they're dependent on us to set these boundaries around them. And as they do that, they might roll their eyes and they might say, this is not what the world is telling me. Um, they might be sensitive to their harm, hormones and, and having to make real hard life decisions. I get that, but they can do that together with parents because it makes them healthy, wise, productive, and whole. Isn't that what we want as parents? This is just one example of digging down deeper in this realm of boundaries, how we can be proactive as parents. And I want to tell parents that it's never too late. If you've missed this or your children have not lived inside of those boundaries, or if you have not lived inside of those boundaries, it's never too late. The Father's love is always there for us, and he's always forgiving and all we have to do is repent and, and move on and he forgives us and we're clean. But we as a society and we as a people need to understand that boundaries are important and were created for us and we need to be the advocates of what the Father actually gave us as boundaries. That's our role. And that's my role on this podcast. This is not a trivial matter. This is not something we roll our eyes and say everybody's doing it. There are serious life implications and we get to play a role as parents to be the most proactive and influential in our children. Thank you for hearing my heart in this. There's a lot of work to do. But if we can sound the message, if we can be the ones, I believe the culture can shift. And I believe there is a revolution coming, a revolution of understanding life inside boundaries and what it means for the health and well-being of us and our children. So let's go together now to set and shape the culture.